Episode 6 of the Posting and Toasting Podcast. Sean St. Jacques back here with you for another week of Knicks talk in the middle of the dog days of August. Right now, I'm actually not in my normal studio. I'm down in Florida, chilling, slash working, slash mostly working, but enjoying my time down here. And uh, luckily, still able to do the show this week, get some Knicks talk in. We got a lot of bleep to, to sift through, I feel like, this week. A lot of stories that are kind of meant for this time of the year. It's a it, Let's be honest, it's a bit of a slow time, obviously. The offseason uh, is still very much in the thick of things. We're still about two months away from the start of the season. So we do have a lot of stuff to get to, though. We're going to go through the news and notes of the week in Knicksland, and there's a lot to get to, guys. I do want to get to some of the real stuff. I want to touch on Frank Nilakina's offseason so far. I want to touch on the R.J. Barrett injury. I'm going to pick my all-time Knicks starting five. I found a cool thing on social media. Social media is good for something. It's also good for listening to the Posting and Toasting podcast. I'll pick that at the end of the show. But first, let's sift through the bleep. Uh, There's a lot of news, rumors, fodder. Uh, This is the time of the year where this stuff kind of comes out. Some of it needs to be addressed Uh, I I know Nick fans are always curious, really sports fans in general, get curious about this stuff. And I do want to throw my two cents in on a couple of these different topics, Uh, some more important than others, to be honest with you. I do want to get into the Kevin Durant tell-all, and I'm quoting, I'm putting quotes up when I say that. Um, I I want to get into some of his comments first. There's other stuff that I do want to get to that I'll address in the first part of today's show, but let, let's start there. I, I want to start with Kevin Durant's comments because he did uh, answer questions related to the Knicks in it. Um, I believe this was for Yahoo Sports. Um, basically, the quote was, uh, if he was going to leave the Warriors, it was always going to be for the Nets. Uh, there was, you know... He said he decided on the Nets on June 30th and uh, went through the whole process. The Warriors, you know, he didn't blame the Warriors for anything that happened with his injury and and stuff like that. And mentioned he didn't have to play with Kyrie and, and things like that. And uh, as far as where he was going to go uh, and, and things of that nature, Here, here's my thoughts on what Kevin Durant said. It's bull bleep. It's absolute nonsense to me. And it's all for the Nets fans. It's all for them. It's all just to say, hey, I was coming here the whole time. Now that I'm here, it was always going to happen this way. You had nothing to worry about. It's all to get on the Nets fans side. These reporters know what the heck they're doing. There's a reason for a couple of months there the Knicks were almost a 100% chance for Kevin Durant. Things changed after the injury. This stuff's been addressed. But for Kevin Durant to come out and take a shot at the Knicks is not because he wants to take a shot at the Knicks. He's doing it to cater to all of the Nets fans who know that he's not playing next season. But just to remember, hey, you know, I might not be playing, but I'm here. I'll be here for you. 2020, 2021, I'll be there. Knicks fans 
should be upset just because you didn't get Kevin Durant. Don't be upset because Kevin Durant's taking pot shots at the Knicks and the fact that the Warriors, you know, they, they feel like they're off the hook because Kevin Durant came out and said, yeah, you know, hell no. I would, you know, th- I don't blame them at all. I wouldn't be surprised if he does. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised. This is all PR off-season bleep. It really is. It really is. That's all this is. It's a total nonsense couple of quotes here from Kevin Durant. It really is. Rick Buecher for months had him done deal to the Knicks. That's not an accident. These reports didn't just come out of thin air. Sources were involved. Very qualified reporters knew what was going on here. Don't be naive, folks. Don't be naive. Don't buy into it. I, 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 part of me didn't even want to lead with this topic, to be honest with you, but it's what most of the people are talking about right now. It really is. Uh, it, I, I've had three people, three people have messaged me about this topic in the last couple of days, wondering what I, what my thoughts are on this. I, I just feel like it's Kevin Durant covering his, you know what, right now with Nets fans. Just making sure that the feeling is mutual. I want to be here as much as you want me to be here. And Kevin Durant should do that. He should do that. It's a smart move. It really is a smart move for him to do. But Knicks fans should not be taking this as, I never wanted to be a Nick. He didn't end up being a Nick, but clearly there was interest. And also, the way Kevin Durant frames this, he could always say, you know, I always knew I was going to be a net since June 30th. So it's all, it's all, I don't want to say mind games or, or you know, PR stuff, but it that's part, it's a, it's a part of it. It's a part of it. He's just, this is all a facade to make sure Nets fans get even more excited that he's coming for next season because he was coming here from the beginning whenever that may be it's one of those things where it's in the news but this feel this feels more like a i'm not going to say national inquiry because that stuff's total bull but th- this is more of a good for a new york post headline and and stuff that you'd see on a, on a newspaper, on a website, where you see the big headlines, Kevin Durant was never going to the Knicks. That's what that's more for. And I just wanted to clear that topic up first. More stuff in the last week involving the Knicks here. More stuff has come out about the Knicks hiring a consulting firm that told them not to watch film a few years ago. Multiple sources weighed in on this this is from SNY's Ian Begley who covers the Knicks Uh, according to him James Dolan hired a management consulting firm called McKinsey and Company to quote-unquote reprocess the Knicks and the Rangers at the time and and one of the quotes is to be honest startling and I felt like uh, part of this has come up I feel like slightly before that or was rumored or something like that so it's the quote that's a little shocking here 
is from one of the assistant coaches. It's from a former assistant coach uh, with the New York Knicks. And it's Dave Hopla. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. And basically the quote is this. The players were wondering. They said, why are we not watching film? And we they basically had to tell them. McKinsey Group told us that you, the players are not allowed to watch film. They're not, the coaches are not allowed to do one-on-ones with film with the players themselves. The players were confused about this uh, and things of that nature. Um, you know, working the players out, you know, Hopla would always say, you know, we, we, we had the team to make the playoffs. This is the year after that 54-win season when the Knicks got to the second round of the playoffs and lost in six games to the Indiana Pacers. Again, Carmelo, J.R. Smith, Tyson Chandler, a really good team. And since then, it's gone downhill, and, and a lot of people are pointing this out as one of the reasons why this consulting firm. Uh, I'm going to read a couple more quotes that I found a little interesting from this. Members of the consulting firm attended practice, games at home on, on the road, uh, which led to concerns from the players. They were getting worried about them always being around. The players started asking who they were. They were worried about maybe they were writing reports about them, and they got paranoid during the season. It started to affect the players mentally. Hopla question why a firm without significant experience in pro basketball was allowed to influence how Knicks coaches approached aspects of their job. So it's a little bit of an inside look as to part of the reason why the team after the 54-win season uh, didn't do so well. Uh, that was 2014-15, the Knicks team that, you know, again, I felt like a lot of the, if I remember correctly, a lot of the same guys... Uh, we're still on that team, and, and of course they, you know, actually might have been, sorry, 2013-14 was the first year after that 54-win season, so they didn't completely collapse until 2014-15, two years, but they had 37 wins the next season, so huge drop-off, obviously, from the season before, a lot of the same guys were there, you know, Carmelo Anthony, Tyson Chandler, uh, Raymond Felton, Tim Hardaway, uh, Kenyon Martin, Iman Shumpert, J.R. Smith, Amari Stoudemire, and Meta World Peace joined the squad that year as well. That's always a weird one. Pablo Prigioni, of course. Shout out to Pablo. One of my favorite Knicks from that uh, two or three year period. Um, I, I feel like I have two thoughts here. I have two thoughts on the story. Uh, one obvious or part of the one point is that obviously it's trending. People are talking about this. Articles are being written about this. I have to address it on the show because it's Knicks related and people are talking about it. The other part of me will give a thought, which is uh, not sure what James Dolan was thinking there uh, and clearly didn't monitor the situation well enough. And it's led it led to clearly problems within the locker room and paranoia at practice, which is supposed to be a safe haven for these players to continue to grow as one, as a unit, two, on the court as far as getting better with different skills and continuing to work with the coaches. And you would think film would be a big part of that. This reminds me a little bit of Phil Jackson falling asleep at a summer league game kind of a thing. It's one of those where you're just thinking... Why, why is that even happening in, in a professional organization? So that, that part is certainly worth bringing up. 
But the other part is... Ian Begley. Great job on the reporting. But man, it's a slow week in the news. If this is one of the top Knicks stories. It's clearly the offseason. Knicks fans should not give one bleep about this. Not one iota. This was six years ago. We're coming up on seven years ago since this happened. You know, is it bad? Yeah. Of course it's bad. To go from 54 to 37 wins, and this is a part of the reason why, is extremely infuriating as a Knicks fan. But you already, like, half of this is stuff we already know. We know the Knicks weren't good during that stretch. We know they went from 54 wins to 17 wins in a two-year stretch. Let's move on. Let's stop burying what's already dead. This stuff's been talked about. This stuff's been rumored already. Now it comes out, so the confirmation is certainly part of it, and people are talking about it. And I get I'm kind of I'm kind of treading the water right here. I'm kind of on the line between, you know, is this worth talking about and is it not? It is because it's part of the history of this team. It's been part of the problem with this team. But as far as next year's Knicks, obviously nothing to worry about, but also it leads me into topic number three, which is the comments from Kenyon Martin. And this is all kind of on the same train that I've been going down before we get into the really good stuff. I, Kenyon Martin gave an interview, I I think it was with, geez, USA Today, I want to say. I should probably confirm that before. Yeah, it was with USA Today. And... A number of interesting points were brought up, but he did have one question about the Knicks, and his response was odd to me. And I'll tell you why in a second. I want to dive into what he actually said first. So he mentioned, you know, there's a laundry list of things the Knicks have to do, and he he blames James Dolan. He's the one common denominator for what's going on right now with the Knicks. And mentions that, you know, I maybe referring to the past and also now, I, I'm not entirely sure, but he blames James Dolan for where the Knicks are at. And he says, you know, it starts at the top, you got to pick the GMs and presidents, and then they pick the coach, and it's the wrong people in place. Here's my problem with that. And he does go on to say, hopefully, Fizz and RJ Barrett, all these guys will be good and They'll, the Knicks will do better next year and and things like that. So he kind of covered his bleep, which is fine, totally fair. James Dolan has been hands-off the last couple of seasons. Going back to the Phil Jackson stuff. Yes, he hired the wrong guy in the end, as we know. Phil Jackson was an utter disaster. And I'm not going to mention his name again on this podcast. However... Perry and Mills are bringing this team in the right direction. And, of course, the number one thing that's listed from this headline is James Dolan's the problem with the Knicks. He's the common denominator. So I... I, What if Dolan did hire the right guys here? Perry Mills, they hire Fisdale. Then is, then is James Dolan the problem? Was he the problem before? Listen, there's an argument to be made. And I've made that argument. 
However, here's where I kind of stand on this. It's twofold for two reasons. Number one, James Dolan also owns a very successful NHL team in the same arena. That's done very well under his tenure for most of it. And they're rebuilding and they look like they're going to be on the come up again in a year or two. The New York Rangers have been great under Dolan. The common denominator to me but you can take the easy way out and say, yeah, James Dolan's the problem. And because he owns the organization, he said it in the past. He's gonna, he's, you know, you have to blame him. He's part of, he's a huge part of the organization. So when it doesn't go well, yes, he's partly to blame. He owns the team. But the people he hires also have to perform. Some have, with mostly the Rangers. Many haven't, mostly with the Knicks. It's... Not that hard, I feel like. And at times, and I don't want to completely defend James Dolan because he is the owner of one of the worst spells in Nick history, but the people have to get it done that he hires. Everyone thought he was a genius for getting Phil Jackson, even though he completely overpaid to get him. It didn't work out. Phil Jackson was asleep at the wheel half the time. That's on Phil Jackson. James Dolan hired a guy that he thought was going to help the Knicks. He ended up hurting the Knicks, not helping the Knicks. It's a, it's a tough line to walk, folks, with this topic. Because yes, Dolan owns the team. He hires the people. He believes in the people that he hires. But they also have to do their job. That's how an organization works. So what if Perry and Mills figure this out? What if David Fisdale is the right guy? What if the players get better? What if this rebuild works? James Dolan was a part of that. James Dolan has the Knicks going in the right direction now with the guys he's hired. He's been a little bit more hands-off with this now, of course, as well. So is he going to get the credit he's due when, it, if, when and if it does go well? I don't know. I honestly don't know. I'm interested to find out. I hope we find out soon if that's the case. But to me, it's an interesting thing to bring up. Because after all of this time of us bashing James Dolan for the Knicks not doing well enough under his tenure as owner of the Knicks and the Rangers and Madison Square Garden, what if he figures it out? How is James Dolan going to be perceived in New York now? Will, will we just not talk about him? The Knicks are doing really well. Fisdale, Mills, Perry, Barrett, Knox. Everyone's playing great. The garden is rocking every night. It's shaking inside the garden. Playoffs. Playoff runs. God help us, a championship. What will James Dolan's perception be if any of that happens? I don't know. My thought, you know what my thought on it is? I think everyone will forget about the last 15, 20 years if James Dolan figures it out the one time. I really think we will. Because it matters that much to Knicks fans. Because I think deep down in Knicks fans' hearts and in my heart, it doesn't matter who the owner is as long as we win. 
that's what cures all of it. If James Dolan was doing all this stuff and the Knicks were consistently in the playoffs, nobody would talk about James Dolan as much as they do. That's the bottom line. Winning cures all, and people don't like it when it's that simple, but it's that simple. Let me take a quick break. I want to get to Nilakina and Barrett next, and I'm going to pick my Knicks all-time starting five after this on the Posting and Toasting podcast, Friday edition. All right, let's dive into some of the injuries, uh, or rather some of the other stories. One is an injury, and one is uh, I did get a chance to look at some of what Frank Nilakina has been up to playing-wise during the offseason. Let me, let me address the R.J. Barrett stuff first. Obviously, and this was about a week ago now, and it's still kind of being a lingering thing. R.J. Barrett's not going to play for Canada in the FIBA World Cup coming up later this month. Uh, Managing a a mild calf strain injury sustained in the Vegas Summer League. Um, Listen, it's worth bringing up, obviously. You know, multiple draft picks, including his buddy Zion Williamson, have been kept out due to minor injuries during the offseason. I just wanted to kind of... Make sure we're keeping, you know, Knicks fans keeping on top of this and making sure we know where Barrett's at. Obviously, he's crucial to next season and hopefully for years to come. So we want to know what's the latest with him. We all saw him when he suffered the injury uh, last month in the Summer League. And it's just a resting opportunity. And this is what I love about it. He's staying with the team. He's going to be with Canada for training camp, team activities, and the process of the FIBA World Cup. I love that. It, it Again, it shows dedication to the team, to the cause. Obviously, his dad is a big part of the Canadian national team for basketball. His godfather, Steve Nash, is as well. So that might be part of it. But for me, I love a guy like that as part of my program or as part of my franchise. And the early returns on Barrett as a player, as a person, have been phenomenal, in my opinion. Phenomenal. I love what he's been up to during this offseason. And especially, and I've already addressed this a couple of episodes ago, but it's worth mentioning again. With USA players not giving a bleep about this tournament, it is great to see some of these other players really care about this. Your country's playing in a massive tournament. The fact that the United States doesn't care, to me, is still a problem, even though it's not the Olympics. But the fact that R.J. Barrett and this Canadian national team has bought in just shows you what kind of player and what kind of team that kid has got around him. That's going to be a great team to be around going into this upcoming season, I think, for Barrett. Keep working. Manage the injury be 100% by the time the regular season starts. And for me, then the then the real work starts. We get to really see what R.J. Barrett is made of. And guys, I'm, I, I cannot wait, cannot wait to see this kid play for the Knicks next season. I'm really excited. I, I can't tell you the last time I've been more excited about a Knicks draft pick. Can we, can we remember the last time? I can't. I can't. And I mean, leading up to it, leading into the season, you know, KP had those putback dunks and Knicks fans thought it was Christmas day for three months. But I got to tell you in the lead up to the season, 
I can't, I don't think I've been alive the last time it's been this exciting for a draft pick before the season in a Knicks uniform. Correct me if I'm wrong. In the comments, let me know your thoughts. Postingandtoasting.com or at SJ7 on Twitter. But I'm telling you this right now. The hype around Barrett is real. It's exciting. And I really can't wait to see this kid play next season at MSG. I, I'm oh, rooting so hard for that kid because I think he could do some special things. All right. Want to get into Frank Nilakina next. He has already started playing with France uh, in, a, in a tournament as well. And he, they played Tunisia, I believe, last night. There have been a couple of games, actually. I think France played, I want to say, Turkey a couple of days ago as well. Nilakina didn't play great in that game, scoring the ball. He did have six assists and a couple of steals. Uh, I believe he had seven points in the game against Tunisia uh, and played pretty well. Um <laughs> One of the reasons I brought this up was I just, just some weird reactions on Twitter, kind of a plethora, a potpourri, if you will, of uh, <laughs> some of the reactions to Nilakina's games. I, I, Knicks fans, and again, I'm, I'm a diehard Knicks fan as well. It's just so funny seeing what other Knicks fans think about certain things and different topics. Twitter, Twitter is interesting in that way because you get the full spectrum of thoughts some are ridiculous and you try to ignore those and people are nasty on Twitter and obviously social media is not 100% great. However, I, I really thought that the reaction to the Nilakina stuff had such a wide range of reaction. It really was weird, in my opinion. Uh, some of the stuff that was put out there... Uh, where do I start? Let's start with the negative. A lot of negative comments uh, were out there as normally surround, uh, you know, Frank Nilakina during his time with the Knicks. And, you know, Tunisia stinks. Tunisia's garbage. Turkey's not that good. France should be destroyed. Nilakina should be getting double-digit points. I'm seeing he's not doing enough on the court, the highlights. So he's not doing a lot in the highlights. He's, again, he hasn't improved so I'm reading that and I'm like, oh, that's a little harsh from what I saw in the highlights. And yes, he's still not scoring the ball that much, but he is doing other things on the court for his country. And then I see the completely opposite spectrum. Oh man, that's what we were looking for. That's the that's the Frank Nilakina we thought we were getting in the top 10. This is the guy that's going to start helping us turn it around. This is the guy that's going to take a huge step for the Knicks next season. Oh, guys. Two completely wrong overreactions to have. Completely wrong overreactions to have. And I, and I, oh, I almost got sick when I read some of those comments. Here's where I'm at with Frank Nilakina. Exactly where I was at a month ago. Nothing's changed. He still has a lot to prove next season. I don't know how much he's going to play next season, to be frank with you. No pun intended. I don't know what's going to happen here with Nilakina. To the point that was made in the negative side. Yeah, Tunisia's not that good. Turkey's eh, okay, not that good either. 
Did he do some good things? Yeah, he did do some good things. He had a lot of assists. He had some blocks, a couple of steals. Okay. You're playing with completely different players in a completely different league with different rules. He's getting in some run. He's, he's getting better as a player, getting more reps during the offseason. These kind of games is good. It's big. It's huge. France still hold him in high regard. That's fine. I'm glad they do while he's a Nick because that gives him more opportunities to prove himself as a player. But Nil Aquina, from what I've seen, looks like the same player so far. I wouldn't say he's made huge improvements yet. I, I don't know what you could have seen from watching the game or watching the highlights from these last couple of days that would tell you anything different. So, again, it's back and forth with this overreaction and reactionary things. And I just, uh, it just boggles my mind how two, how the same fan base can have two completely different thoughts and be split down the middle on one player because of a couple of games he played during the offseason. To me, you, you gotta have a bigger picture than that. You can't just look at two games and say, hey, Frank Nilakina stinks. Or Frank Nilakina's made a lot of improvements during the offseason with a team that, by the way, he's not going to be playing with for much longer. This is, this is where I come down on this. I, again, I love the international game, but it has nothing to do with the NBA. That's fair. For those people in the comments who are saying, you've got to focus on the NBA, he's getting paychecks from the NBA. I'll say this. The way you play with the national team, it matters, but it doesn't matter a whole lot in the NBA. It doesn't. Carmelo Anthony is one of the best Olympian basketball players of all time. Can't get a job right now. Doesn't matter. Tried to even join the U.S. team for the FIBA World Cup. They said, no, he's got to prove it in the NBA. I, that's totally fair. Totally fair. You know what I mean? Most of the time, if you're good, you're just going to play good in both. But it's different with this kind of stuff. You're playing with different teammates. You're playing against different teams with different rules in a different country. With not a whole lot of people watching, for the most part. So it's one of those things where, again, overreaction split down the middle, in a way. And it's one of those things where, again... It's good that he's doing things and improving and trying to improve with France. But if it doesn't happen with the Knicks, it doesn't matter. And I got to tell you this, even if he does start to show improvement with the Knicks, France is not the reason why either. It'll be because he put in the work during the offseason. He's gelling more with his teammates. He's starting to score the ball. He's getting guys involved. He's defending at a high level in the NBA, not with FIBA. So take it with a grain of salt what Nilakin is doing right now. Be happy that he's getting national team reps and then see what happens when we get to the regular season. I feel like this stuff is simple, but again, <laughs> my mentions get blown up or I get these texts and people are t chiming in and I see all these comments and I'm just like, guys, what, calm down. Calm down. It's August 9th. August 8th. As I'm recording, August 9th when you're listening, calm down. Goodness gracious. 
All right, let's have some fun to end the show. A lot of we got through all the all the stuff we had to get through here. We got through we as like the offseason. We're getting through it. We're getting closer to opening day. Getting close to real basketball for the season. I saw this online and I thought I I, can't, I couldn't resist. This is just too much fun. New York Knicks build your starting lineup. It's from NBA TV. And I've got 15 points here to build out a starting five. And I got to tell you, folks, I haven't done it yet. I've only looked at the names. I have not written anything out here. I'm going to try my best here. I'm going to pick a five. There are 15 players to choose from here for five spots. I'm going to name the players first and how many points they're worth. And then I'm going to try my best here because I can see a couple of steals already that I could probably use to make a five here. We, I, I've already got an idea of what I want to do. Uh, so here are the, f- the five pointers here. We've got Patrick Ewing, Walt Clyde Frazier, Willis Reed, Carmelo Anthony, and Bernard King. Ooh. I like that right there. That's a solid five up top to start with. The three pointers are Charles Oakley, Earl Monroe, Alan Houston, John Starks, and Dave DeBusher. Oh, love it. <laughs> oh, man. Love me some Dave DeBusher. If you ever have a chance, go back and look at some Dave DeBusher highlights. Ooh. And Alan Houston is a three. Oh, he's a borderline. Maybe not a five. He's close, though. Oh, and Oak. Oh, man. Solid three line as well. The one-pointers are also... There's a couple of guys I don't think are one-pointers here. Larry Johnson is one. Oh, man, he's he's a borderline three guy here, I feel like. That next tier up. Amari Stoudemire. Oh, Bill Bradley, another legend as well. Latrell Sprewell. And, of course, the St. John's product, Mark Jackson as well. I love this because you basically have each tier for each position being separated into the three spots. So I it's, it does make it difficult. The five line for me, I got to take one five at least. Um, I This is so tough. I'm tempted to take two fives here. I really am because I can see, because I feel like there are a couple of ones that could really help the team that I want to build. Because right now I'm leaning, I, I, I want Patrick Ewing as a five-pointer, but I need a point guard and I don't know if I want to go John Stark. So I think I want to go Clyde Frazier as my point guard with Patrick Ewing, but that would use up 10 points right off the bat. Then I would need a three-pointer and a couple of ones to finish the job. Or I could really even the team out and just go Patrick Ewing with John Starks, and then I have seven points for the last two guys, which means I could throw in a... Oh, I can't throw in a five there because I don't have enough... Oh, this is... You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to stick to my guns here. Patrick and Clyde in my starting lineup. So Clyde Frazier's going to be my point guard. Patrick Ewing's my center. Charles Oakley's one of my forwards, my power forward. And that leaves me with with two ones here. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go with Larry Johnson, which is a steal. Nick fans know that. This is a steal at a one-pointer. It really is. And I'm going to go Bill Bradley as my shooting guard. Oh, 
How money is that right there? So here's my one through five. Clyde Frazier, Bill Bradley, Larry Johnson, Charles Oakley, Patrick Ewing. Have some of that starting five right there. Let me know in the comments your thoughts. Who would you pick in your starting five? I Obviously, it's so tough because I'm leaving Willis Reed off the board. Oh, such a, such a snub, I have to say. I'm snubbing him, Bernard King. How do you snub Bernard King? But I did. Allen Houston was a guy I really thought about having in there as well. But I, I really like the... And again, part of this is, you know, who do you want your team? Who are some of your favorite players? That kind of thing. And, you know, I just want to hear what you guys think. I, I'm not going to judge at all. You can't go wrong with these 15 players. Any combination... Like as long as you have a five or two on your team, you're going to be in good shape. I feel like, for me, Clyde's almost a no-brainer in this lineup as my point guard. I feel like he's a steal, literally, and in as far as the pricing as well. I'd take him for 10 in a Knicks lineup, but I'll take five as well. <laughs> and then for me, it was honestly between Allen Houston and Charles Oakley for that three. And then for me, the only other guy I considered was Latrell Sprewell, for the one, Mark Jackson, because I have Clyde, I don't need in the five. Uh, because I have Oak, I don't need Amari Stoudemire. And Larry Johnson is a one. Again, the biggest steal of this whole thing for me, Larry Johnson for one point is a robbery. Is a robbery in this thing. He could score the ball extremely well in his day. I, that's an easy one for me. So my five again, Patrick Ewing and Walt Clyde Frazier as the fives. That leads me up into 10 points off the bat, but then Charles Oakley's only worth three, and then a couple of ones to make it 15. I go Larry Johnson, and I go with the governor, Bill Bradley, who is, uh, you know, an amazing, not only player, but did so much during his time after basketball, after his playing days as well. Hard not to take him as well, and definitely worth it for only one point here. Again, let me know what you guys think about some of these topics. Let me know who you think your starting five would be. Again, you have 15 points. I'll read out the names one more time. The five-pointers are Ewing, Clyde Frazier, Willis Reed, Carmelo, Bernard King. The three-pointers are Charles Oakley, Earl the Pearl Monroe, Allen Houston, John Starks, Dave DeBusher, Larry Johnson's a one-pointer along with Amari Stoudemire, Bill Bradley, Latrell Sprewell, and the great Mark Jackson. Let me know who your starting five for the all-time Knicks team would be. Were there any players that you thought got snubbed off the entire list? I'm interested to see what you guys think there. Remember, you can always follow me and hit me up on Twitter at SJ7. Also follow the Posting and Toasting podcast on Twitter as well. Make sure to hit us up on social media. Or, of course, you can hit us up as well on Posting and Toasting dot com as well with the comments below any questions any thoughts on topics for upcoming shows go to the comments or hit me up on twitter again at sj7 guys as always a ton of fun enjoy the rest of your summer the off season continues on i'll be back next week for another episode but we're getting closer and closer to where we want to be and that is the regular season so for now so long and i will see you next week on the posting and toasting podcast friday edition